All right, you are listening to Addicts in Recovery. This is your three favorite hosts on Recovery Talk. I am Zach, and I am an addict. And I am Mike, and I'm an alcoholic. And I am Kevin, I'm an alcoholic. We are here to basically talk recovery. Yeah, that's our mission. Our goal is to spread that uh, positivity that you're not alone, that you can do this. There's hope out there for the addict and, and normies out there that they're is a a better side of this reach out we have plenty of platforms that you can reach us on uh insta mike knows what's up find us on instagram uh addicts recovery a-i-r we're going to be keeping you updated on all of our current episodes and positivity and thoughts and ideas and uh, updates on what we're doing We also want to know what is your feedback? I mean, how do we sound? What do you want to hear or talk about? Um, Do you have any questions or like any specific topics that would, that you want to want us to talk about? Give us some subjects that you want to hear us talk about. Exactly. And then you can find us on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, literally any iTunes, iTunes, any, anything. If it has a podcast, (laughs) we're on it now. You'll find us. This week, we have Mike's wife, Abby, on the podcast. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Um, We're putting Mike into the back room, and we are just going to interview Abby herself to kind of get her perspective on the events of kind of Mike's, I guess, lifestyle, huh? Leading up to where we're at. I'm looking forward to it, because the, the Mike I know is the one who's sober, and so... And he's great, so I've never seen him any other way. I really want to see Mr. Hyde. (laughs) No, you're only going to see the... This is the (laughs) mic that you're going to see. (laughs) But I'm excited to hear what she has to say, because it would help us out. Right on. All right, well, let's hear it. So where where did it start with you and Mike? I mean, it started young, right? It started really young. Yes. Like, you two have basically been together... Yes, we went for to... For the lesser part of forever. We've been on family vacations together since we were little. We went to Tahoe together and Lake Powell and... How did all that, how did all that um, you start guys out? grew up near each other? Yes, we grew up near each other. And then also our older brothers are, became friends in junior high. And then our families became friends. And then it just evolved from there. So... Man, that's crazy. Yeah, kind of crazy. Our parents that's... joked that it was an arranged marriage... At our <laughs> wedding dinner, I think it's awesome. It is really so. neat, actually. Child, childhood sweethearts. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it, it is a cool story. Rarely do you find uh, relationships like that. It's too. very I true. Mean, yeah, it's extremely rare. Um, how how was how was it all? I mean, did the was it were you just neighbors or did the parents, did your parents work with each other or what, what was it? I mean, just not really. Neighbors? I mean, we found out after the fact that our, um, our grandpas worked together in okay. business. That was like maybe even after we got married, maybe it was when we were engaged, but yeah, our parents just became friends through mm. our brothers being friends and that's yeah, insane. The rest is history. Wow. So, so, you know, Mike, probably better than, I mean, almost anyone else. Like, there's there's very few people that know him better than you. Because you've been there from probably as long as you guys remember, right? Yeah. It's been a long time. Yep, since we were little. How, in general, 
Um, how would you explain, how would you describe Mike as a person? He is happy, always happy. He has a great positive attitude. Um, my, I remember my mom coming home from the store because she, you know, we obviously knew our families, knew each other, and she'd come home from the store and she'd be like, I saw Michael at the store and he just, he came right up to me and said hi. That's so rare for a teenager to do. And so he's always been very friendly, very sweet, mm. um, very kind-hearted. I mean, that's really how I would describe him, just everything good. Everything good. A lot of people, uh, they see people that, that end up with alcoholism or addiction, they see the negatives. They don't actually see the positives, right? They don't see right. that there's actually a good person behind that. I mean, other than the people that are really close to them. So, like, before we had, um, and, and you were you were actually there in the back, we had Cindy come on, and she said... She could not, uh, she couldn't even really describe how, how genuinely good of a person her son was, but for 30 some odd years, he was struggling with, with addiction. I mean, and it's still to this day, I, I don't know where he's at, but, um, he's doing well. Addicts are good people. Addicts, alcoholics, uh, are good people, but as his, as his Wife, actually, before we get to the wife thing, let's go. Let's go back. So, what was it like growing up with him? Well, I I didn't know him like super well growing up. Mm-hmm. To be completely honest, I was two years younger than him, and at that, you know, when you're young, that's oh yeah, huge. two grade, two grade levels. So yeah. I hung out with his little sister mostly, but um, my older brother hung out with him quite a bit. But um, so yeah, I didn't know him much younger. And then I kind of saw him throughout high school and then we connected kind of after high school. So, so what, what was he like? So let's, let's you after high school then. What was, um, who was Mike? I mean, was he kind of the same guy, you know, now, or was he, I mean, was he different? What? Mm, the, sa- the same guy. Same guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a likable guy. Everybody loves him. Uh, He's contagious. Mm. He makes people laugh constantly. Mm-hmm. Always telling a joke. I don't think he's that funny. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Out, outgoing though. Outgoing. Very outgoing. Yes. Loves to be in a crowd of people and loves to be kind of the center of attention. And yeah. Goal, goal oriented. Yes. He seems yeah. very good. Likes to accomplish he what he sets to, out to do. Yes. Yes. Very, um, very driven. When he wants to do something, he goes all the way. It's mm. never half par. He's always like going full bore at things. And so. that that could potentially put a kind of a, a strain on a relationship, right? Uh, if Definitely. he's going full bore on things, how does that? How do you, how do you work with that? I mean, so say he can't, he can't go full bore on things then also have full commitment to the family as well. Right. So there's gotta exactly. be some give and take that you have to pick up slack because he's going full, full bore on something. Yes. How does, how does that feel? Like, is that, well, I mean, in a perfect world, we would have, you know, complete compromise in a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, when we did, when we were first married, he was really into mountain biking and he was racing 
you know, almost every week, um, if not twice a week. He was exercising every day, going on lunch rides at work, like whenever he could fit it in. Um, night rides, morning rides. Uh, he was doing triathlons a lot, and so he got a he got a swim coach. He would leave at like five in the morning and go swimming, and then he would bike that day and then run that. I mean, it was just crazy. Like I didn't see him a whole lot, but also I was busy with work and um, school that I was doing. So at that time, it didn't matter as much as when we have kids now, but. Um, he, yeah, he just kind of went full force into it. And his goal was really to get, um, recognized as, uh, what do you call it? Competitive biker professional. He wanted to get pro status. That was his goal. Great. Mm. And I thought that's great. If you want to do that, I mean, how many people really get that in their life, you yeah, know? Yeah, no kidding. Might as well do it now before we have kids. And he, he would get endorsements and things like that. Mm-hmm. So he ended up becoming, you know, to the pro status, was racing a ton, and I got pregnant with our first child, and I wondered if he would keep this up after we had, you know, our first child, and he... Um, kind of backed off from that. Um, I kind of struggled with some postpartum with our first. And I think he noticed that I, you know, was having a rough time. Let's talk about that. (laughs) Let's talk about that. Um, postpartum, huh? So, so it was, uh, it was tough then. Talk, talk about, yeah. Was, was, by that time, was he drinking? Was he drinking like regularly? Yeah. So, so, I mean, it was like you were, you, you had this kid and then not only did you have one person to take care of, but you had, you now had two people, right? Correct. Because especially if he was drinking, you're the matriarch. You're the one that, that yeah. how, how did you work yourself through that? Oh, I want to clarify something first before you answer yeah. that. In your, in your viewpoint was, was the drinking a problem or was this just a lifestyle that you both led or that you accepted as, you know, this is who we are. This is fine. So I personally, I've, um, for whatever reason, I've, I've maybe had like five, I can count on one hand the times I've drank, drink in my lifetime. Hmm. Um, I just, it doesn't really appeal to me. I've had brothers that are addicts and I just didn't care to, you know, see if that would be me too I guess I think maybe that's part of it but um so I've never really been interested but you know he drank and I was okay with it and um because he was keeping it under control as far as I could see and so we have this baby our first baby and I kind of go on this like downward spiral um I was struggling with some depression after which I think a lot of new moms do. Sure. This was probably a little bit more than, you know, what a normal person would deal with, I guess. And so I uh, needed him home with me. And he would get home and I would just be like, take the baby. I need to have some time to myself. Um, I would go to bed. It was like I would hand the baby to him and I would go to bed early at like 7 o'clock so we wouldn't really see each other. Mm -hmm. He was stressed that, you know, obviously he could see that I was struggling. Um, There was one specific time I remember him wanting to go biking about 
maybe a week and a half, two weeks after having the baby. And he got home <laughs> from like, work you, and then man. wanted to go biking. And I was like, I didn't really say much. I was just like, are, like in my mind, it was like, are you kidding me? Uh-huh. And so he left and I was just mad. You know, I didn't tell him how I felt, of course, but I was just mad inside. And he gets home and I just flipped at him. I was mm. so mad. And um, I think from there, it just kind of, I think his stress built, seeing that I was stressed. And then this new child that we were taking care of. And it was really, that's where it started. And he'd probably tell you the same thing. Really? Mm-hmm. And, and, and let's put a timeline on that. How, how long ago was this? Oh, so this was mm, five and a half years ago. Okay. What I, what I want to know is, so you can already, I mean, just from you, from you talking, um, you can already tell that Mike had addictive personalities and you could see it, uh, you know, biking. I need to go biking two weeks after, you know, or whatever it was a week, whatever it may be immediately after my child is born. Oh, I need to go biking. I mean, that's, that's really one of those moments where you're like, do you need to go biking exactly. or is this like a fix that you need to handle? You know what I mean? Well, now I look back and I say, okay, that is addictive behavior, obviously. But in the moment I was thinking, oh, he's like super motivated, you know, yeah. he just like loves biking. That's yeah. his thing. What you know? is motivated and uh, versus what is obsessive? And what is, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he brought... He, he, he was highly motivated to, to, or obsessed, whatever, whatever it was for biking. And you're trying to get yourself together and you're trying, you're trying to take care of this kid while also being supportive of him. Were there, there had to have been several nights where he came home and he was not capable of taking care of a kid. It, that's when it kind of gradually began a slow uh, downward spiral, I would say. Yeah. So it, you know, it took about, it was like a year. Our first was mm-hmm. about a year, year and a half where I started noticing the hiding. Mm. And then I would approach him about it and there would be the lying about it. Oh yeah. Like right to my face. I knew that he was lying. What, what was your initial reaction when you first found out that he was lying to you about drinking? Let, um, let's hear some examples. Yeah. I okay. So like I, you know, he would, okay. So I'd be making dinner. He would come home from work. And instead of coming in and helping me with the kids, you know, like I thought would be more of a normal situation, he would go out to the garage for a while. (laughs) It was always like the same thing. He would go out to the garage while I'm making dinner instead of like helping with the kids or, you know. And so um, we go to sit down and at dinner and he's got to go out and grab his beer and bring it in every time it was like this thing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'm just like, you were just out in the garage, like what's going on? So he'd go out and grab his beer and I'm sure he was, you know, chugging a few more while he was out there. Um, he was, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) now I know. Yes. So, you know, he probably had four. Yeah. (laughs) If he was out there longer than maybe 30 seconds, then yeah, there was, there was probably more than just one that went down for sure. Yeah. Now I know. So he would, that was a, you know, very common behavior. And then, you know, I would find it in, we had these cabinets in our garage and he'd just be stuffing empty cans 
or empty bottles, you know, of hard alcohol or whatever in these cabinets. And I'm just going like, what the heck? Like, why don't you just throw them in the garbage? It was weird. Mm-hmm. That was when I, it was like red flag to me. Mm. In his mind, you would see them in the garbage, but not in the cabinets. So he didn't want to put them anywhere, obviously. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they didn't count. They didn't count as empty <laughs> trash ca- trash if they were in a cabinet. It, yeah. Hiding in yeah. a cabinet. She's definitely not going to look sense, in this cabinet. Right? They don't really exist. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're not in the garbage. Even to himself. He was hiding yeah. them from himself, too. Yeah. So during this time, I noticed that he started drinking more. And there was more beer because he had to keep it in the fridge too. And I was just like, I'm okay with you drinking, but you just need to keep it in the fridge. Mm. And he'd be like, oh, okay, you know, I can do Mm -hmm. that. And so, you know, I'd start seeing more in the fridge, but then I'd still see the, the empty cans. Okay. And then fast forward maybe six months to a year, this is getting old. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. So then I start hunting for it. Almost every day. It was almost like this, like, cat and mouse game. Oh, so... And there was a part of it that was, like, that I, you know, it was making me crazy. I felt like a crazy person. But as soon as I found it, I was like, gotcha. I am fucking not, knew it. Yeah, I'm not crazy <laughs> anymore. Um, and now I know did that you, I'm not crazy. Did you like, I was hunting for something and I found it. Were you confronting him on it? Oh, yeah. Would he get super defensive? I don't know. Kind of like I would pick my times that I would confront him about it. But um, for the most part, it never went well Mm -hmm. because he was probably Mm -hmm. very drunk at the time. And I had no idea being very naive. I I know the behavior coming from the flip side of that from his point of view. Um, It's your fault for looking for it. It was always my fault. I was mm-hmm. always the one to blame. When I would approach him about anything, you got it right on nail on the head. Mm-hmm. So I would approach him, and it was always like, "You're so, um, you're never happy. You're never satisfied. I never do anything good enough for you." Mm-hmm. And you then, should feel bad for asking, turning, me. turning yeah. it on you. Yeah. yeah. And so I just thought at that point, I was just like, "What is wrong with me?" Like, I thought Ooh. I was, like, just being a wife and taking care of our kids. And, you know, maybe I'm not doing enough. Maybe he wants me to get a job. Or maybe, you know, it was just, like, this weird, like, he never really, like, told me what I was doing wrong. But it was, like, these, like, roundabout, you know, like, just random, like, um, jabs at me. Because you weren't doing anything like, wrong. This doesn't make any sense, but I feel like shit now. Yeah. Well, like, it's, and it's you're bec- digging me into a, this hole and I don't know how to get out of it, you know? Absolutely. It's because you weren't doing anything wrong. Um, yeah. I mean... Well, I'm sure, you know, there's, I well, have my moments. Everybody has their moments. <laughs> but as far as, as far as when you approach him on something, when you would approach him on something, um, that get defensive and flip it on another person, that's just classic, like classic addict or not even addict behavior, just guilty behavior. Um, I don't want to look at this. This is not my fault. This is your fault. Or it's not just my fault. It's your fault too. It's your fault for even bringing it up. Yeah, it's your, exactly. Um, But what I want to go back to before we we continue this is you, you said that you started turning it into kind of a cat and mouse game almost Almost was it almost like an obsessive like I need to find this totally like yeah I, and it on a cons- daily it basis would consume me 
Yeah. Really? And I would think, okay, he's going to get home and I'm going to kind of observe what he does. He's going to go out to the garage for a while and then I'm going to open the door on him, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and he'd usually be like, ducking by the car or something he's, and I would go over there and it would he's be hiding like, behind a bucket like. right there <laughs> or it would be yeah. in his bike bag I, I could always find it in his bike bag I don't know he's a terrible hider what, but um what do you think at that time was I guess going through your I guess what was the outcome you were looking for I mean to when you were approaching him on it or when you were like okay I'm gonna get him on this what what do you think the the outcome was that you were looking for because a lot of a lot of spouses do this, not yeah. just not just wives, but I mean husbands or kids. I mean, really anybody with close relationships will get caught up and and get caught up in this this codependent kind of obsessiveness of I need to catch them For and sure. I need to catch them to to save them or to prove that I'm right or whatever it may be. Um, and so what, what was the outcome that you were looking for? Were you just looking for kind so, of like some closure or like some self-worth? I mean, yeah. if he would tear you apart, then you could be like, ha, see, I'm not the bad person. Yeah. A lot of it was that for sure. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, looking back now, I'm just, I was so naive. Like, I think I was just looking for something to make me feel better. Mm. And that made me feel better mm. to to find it and, and realize that I wasn't crazy. Like mm-hmm. there was a purpose behind all of my hunting and mm-hmm. all of my looking for it. Um, and even if it didn't turn out well and we'd get into this big fight after, you know, it was like almost worth it to just mm-hmm. approach him on it. And I thought, because I approached him about it, you know, I've heard of, because I, my brother's been an addict, um, a good part of my life. Um, I knew the codependent stuff. I'd heard about it. I knew it. I was not that. Mm-hmm. I was not codependent because <laughs> I wasn't enabling him. I wasn't, you know, uh-huh. doing all the classic things that you hear. I wasn't in denial. I wasn't this. I wasn't that. And um, looking back, I was so naive. I had no idea that he even, I didn't think he even had a problem. I was just like, why is he lying to me? Like, this is weird. That was going to be my next question is I was wondering at this point, and maybe, maybe you didn't know any better, but you, you did say that your brother's an addict and you recognized him as an addict. Mm -hmm. Is that so when, when do you think, or, or did it ever like occur to you that, wow, you know, maybe, maybe my husband's not an asshole. Maybe he has alcoholism. Like that was years later. That was a few years later. Even then, uh, this was our last house that we were in and we moved about two years ago. Um, but it was about a year prior to him going to rehab. We moved. And I remember looking him in the face and saying, I don't want, when we move to this new house, I do not want any more hiding. I don't want you hiding the alcohol anymore. Just leave it out in the open. Put it in the fridge. I don't care if you drink. Put it in the fridge so I can see how much you're drinking. Oh and yeah, that's that's that would never work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, wow. it, and it didn't. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Sounds good. Kind of. And he, you know, he agreed to those terms. You know, quote unquote. But, yeah, we saw the 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 finger um, quotation marks didn't. going on. Yeah, so. So yeah, and then once we got in this house, uh, gosh, it was, 
it was fast. It was fast and furious in this house. Really? So, um, one thing I want to say, though, is this was another part of me being naive. I, uh, it was probably, after having our first, this was probably like two or three years later, I would notice that at night, because he's, you know, I described him as a very happy, you know, easygoing person. And he still was for the most part, but it was weird because all of a sudden at 9, 9.30 at night, he was a complete asshole to me. Really? And it was like Some Jekyll and Hyde. Yes. And anything we talked about, he was just negative about it. And he just could not come out of a funk, and we would get in the biggest fights at night, hmm. almost to the point where I just wanted to like ignore him at night and just go like in the other room. So he and was just becoming this like completely different he was person. Com- yeah, yeah, he was, and I did not even attribute that to the alcohol. I was just like, this is so weird. And then yeah. I remember being at a party with her friends, and I brought, you know, it was getting late, and we were playing a part, we were playing a game, and. I don't even know how it got brought up, but I was just like, I was like, yeah, don't mess with Michael at, you know, 9.30, 10 at night, or you'll be sorry you did. And our friends just kind of like laughed at it. Uh-huh. I like specifically remember that instance. And and um, I, I didn't even attribute it to that until maybe, you know, three years later. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's insane. Um a lot of people don't, though. A lot of people don't. I mean, and spe- specifically alcoholics, they don't see that. Oh, the alcohol is the problem. They don't. They they don't grasp the concept that maybe this me poisoning myself consistently is actually causing harm. Instead, it's I'm working too much, or instead, you know, I'm not getting this level of support, or la da 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 da. Which they may seem. It may seem like that. Um, but in reality, there's there's always this underlying thing, and it's the alcohol. Oh, yeah, it's the root of the problem. Yeah, and it's funny how yeah, it's funny how the other things can get you can get caught up in looking at the other things, and yet here's you know the alcohol. Here's is your really answer. The problem. Yep. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting. It's well, it, from an active alcohol alcoholic's point of view, who's in in, in active addiction. They only what makes them angry, or is they they only think that they're hurting themselves. I'm I'm the one drinking, so it's only affecting me, and it's right. not affecting you. So when you call me out on it, you know, it's um, it it's it's annoying. You right, know? like who it's, are you to like, mess with me? Yeah, yeah, like you go but you know you go do your thing and I'll do mine. Right. Like, this doesn't have any effect on you. I'm the one you. drinking. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how come you're pretending like it has some kind of an effect on you? Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting too that when it's kind of like what Cindy was saying the other night, where uh, she was saying the the relationship becomes poisonous. You know, it you get just as sick as the al- the active alcoholic because that that that's what makes up the walls of your reality. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people don't recognize it as alcoholism, that one person is, you know, they're just, because the problem is too close to you. Okay. It's, it's hard to focus on. Yeah. It's too I, close to your face. You're living it. 
I love that you brought that up because this is also another thing I wanted to mention was I just thought our marriage was falling apart. I was like, okay, maybe we're just not meant for each other anymore. Maybe mm. I've changed. Mm-hmm. I've grown into a different person. He's grown into a different person than I knew when I married him. And maybe our marriage is just falling apart. Um, and we ended up going to a marriage counselor and she was, she wasn't much help. You know, I brought up the drinking thing and, you know, just kind of a side thing. It wasn't even like this. He's a drunk. Yeah. (laughs) And and he tells me now that he was like drunk at the counseling session. (laughs) Probably. And yeah. So. Well, and it's hard to identify. So if he's a functioning alcoholic, he's making money, he's going to work, you know, yeah, you you have a nice house. I didn't know. I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't yeah. know what you don't know, right? But how can how could you know? I mean, other than other than experiencing it, mm-hmm. right? Other than going through because now you'll be able to spot that in a heartbeat. You'll exactly. be able to know exactly what's mm-hmm. going on. And that's a, a lot of the reason why I like this podcast is because there's a lot of people listening that are in the midst of it. They are close to someone whose moods have changed and who they're wondering, you know, are they, are they, mm-hmm. are they different or is it because of the drugs or the alcohol that's doing it? And, but a lot of people that's, it's experience. You have to go through it. You have to. Um, and so as you were, so as, as you kept catching him, um, and that's kind of what Kevin brought up was with Cindy is, you almost became as obsessive as he did. And then it just became kind of this like ferocious cycle. Yeah. Um, what you moved, you moved out of your house, you moved out of your last house and, and then you moved to, you were heading into your new one and you said no hiding no more. Right. Yeah. And uh, you say, obviously that did not work out. So Mm -hmm. how, what happened? So, it just kept getting worse and worse. I kept finding it, you know, and I mean, his lies were like awful. You guys, <laughs> like, like this is, this is from when my, you know, friends and I went on a vacation like two weeks ago. I'm like, what vacation? Like, what are you talking about? Why would our friends even like, <laughs> right. just like, it didn't make any sense. Right. I often said, I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like I just wanted to roll my eyes and just like, walk away. There's nothing, (laughs) there's nothing more to say at that point. Right. Right. And so so, it's so absurd. Yeah. And it got to the point where I was just like, what the heck? Like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then, um, oh gosh, this is, there's just a lot of, okay. There's a lot of stories. So we were, so we moved in, in September to our house in January, we went to a friend's house for, a Super Bowl party. And clearly there's drinking, you know, going on at this party. And um, all of our friends there drink. And the guys kind of just, you know, when we're at our friend's house, it's kind of the typical thing to the guys just kind of go drink and do their thing. And the moms stay with the kids. Yeah. (laughs) And tend the kids. Classic. And deal with that. And... The guys get to have their little drinking time. And so I was just kind of fed up with uh, me being like really the only sober person, like fully sober person there, you know, mm-hmm. um, including the wives and um, which were drinking. And so I, I kind of got fed up with this scene. 
mm-hmm. of like we go here and he just drinks and does his thing and everybody's kind of doing that. And um, so we, you know, I'm kind of done with the whole night and um, I approach Michael about it and I'm like, hey, I think it's time to go. The kids are getting kind of restless. I think it's time to, you know, start heading home so we can put them to bed. And he literally was like stumbling, like (laughs) stumbling across the room and slurring his words. And I was like, what the hell? Like your friends aren't doing this. Uh Like clearly they've drank a ton tonight Uh and they're not stumbling. They're not slurring their words. Yeah. Something happened. And, you know, come to find out later, he drank before we even got there. So, um, clearly he's had more than his friends to drink and that's why. But, um, I go, I'm like, okay, let's, you know, let's get going. And he's just angry with me because the Super Bowl, I didn't even know because I wasn't even watching the game. I was watching the kids. Right. Yeah. And so I didn't even know that it was like two minutes till it was over. And he was pissed at me because he want we, cause I wanted to leave, you know, in that moment, mm-hmm. our kids were screaming, you know, it was like, yeah, time to Priorities, go. Priorities, bro. Yeah. So I, uh, he got in the car. I put the kids in the car and he got in the front seat. Like he was going to drive home. And I was like, <laughs> absolutely not. And I freaked at him. And of course, you know, in that state, oh, now yeah. I know you don't do that. You very calmly talk to somebody. Yeah. When they're, because now you it's know, your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Under and the influence. And you're just like, and... okay, like everything's fine. Let's just get out of the car and talk about it. No, I was like unleashing on him. Uh-huh. So he starts turning on the car and I'm just like, you are not dry. Like I was just sick to my stomach. Like you're not driving with our kids in the car. And so, um, our, I went in and got our friend and. You know, he came out and talked to Michael and I left without him that night. And that was like the first time that, you know, I was kind of like, there's an issue here. Yeah. Like that was, that's like when I was like, okay, there's a real issue. And at that point, were you attributing it it to the alcohol at that point? Okay. Yeah. Yep. But were you, were were you starting to recognize, wow, I... I think my husband may be an addict. Yes. And definitely. we just, we just thought it was a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started piecing things together. Um, I came home that night. I locked the doors. I was like, you are not going to come in and, you know, do your little drunk thing with me. Cause it had happened before, you know, mm-hmm. cause um, it, it, it can be hard to identify. Also, I, I wanted to point out, there's a difference between a heavy drinker and a problem drinker. Yeah. You know, that there's like one that I've gets belligerent. S- sure. I, I've said many yeah. times it's not a problem unless it's a problem. For sure. Yeah. Mm. You know, you may, there may be a person, many people, probably most that enjoy being drunk and shit faced and maybe even a lot yeah. But if it's not causing major problems or a problem, it's fine for them. It's not a problem. Yeah, it's not an issue. But this is definitely becoming yeah. a problem. Not because yeah. it's not just affecting him. It's affecting you know you. It's affecting the kid. I potentially mm-hmm. a, a DUI with kids in the car. Are you kidding me? Or That's worse. huge. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. yeah, even worse. 
Yeah. And w- um, and in that moment, I thought, if he's this bad that he doesn't realize how bad he is and, you know, trying to drive with the kids in the car, that was like my ultimate, like, that was always my ultimate. This. Absolutely not. Like, mm. you are not, you know, I will not be with Child. you if you're going to act like this. So, um, yeah, that was kind of where I turned my perspective on everything. It was like, whoa, something's going on here. And was that kind of the first point in your relationship where you kind of put your foot down, where you were, I am locking the doors, you are not coming home, I am done with this, I'm standing up for myself? Yeah. How did that go? Um... Even, st- I mean, there was always a sorry, right? Yeah. There's always oh, a, yeah. oh, the next yeah, morning. I'm really sorry oh, that I'm I did sorry. that to get back in the house or whatever. But um, the so- I do the, remember the, the sorries get almost just as old, old. as the lies. Yeah. I'm Hell sorry. yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, because it was always after the, and I was like, why is he always saying sorry in the morning? Like, why is it never like, <laughs> like, why can you never resolve this with me at night? Like, why is it always after like a good night's sleep that you have to do this? And then, because the alcohol's gone. Yeah. So, yeah. And then it was like springtime. Uh, we had an incident where, um, Gosh, it's just like, guys, it's like super embarrassing like to even like talk about. Hey, well, the thing is, is we've, we've lived all this I already. Yeah. We're just getting a fresh perspective on it. And, and everything that you that you have gone through, someone else has gone through or you're helping somebody not go through. Yeah. Right. Let's hear it. Sorry, I'm getting you're emotional. You're okay. It's That's like bringing okay. back a lot of memories. It's been about a year and it's been, you know, the last couple months have been kind of, you know, we're thinking through things <laughs> that happened a whole year ago. Um, okay, so this one night, um, he was super drunk. Um, and he went to sleep. And it was early. And I put the kids down by myself. Didn't have his help. And I was just, you know, I was just pissed about it. I was just like, why can't you be here with us? You know, why do you have to be like this? And so he goes to sleep and then he starts snoring and like really loud. And the kids, you know, our youngest was pretty young at the time, maybe a year. And um, he, no, he was older than a year. I don't know. He was going through a sleep regression. And so he was up all night and I was just like, why can't you freaking get up and help me with the kids, you know? Cause he was so drunk and I was like yeah. shaking him. I was like, help me. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't wake up. So I went and got a glass of cold water and I dumped it on his head. And then I set the, I dumped like half of it on him and then I set it down and he woke up in a rage and grabbed that glass and just threw it at me, missed me. And then came in the other room and he was getting quite violent with me. And I came out and called the police. So the police came. We had this whole thing. And and um, that was like, that was like when I was like, this is like, I'm, I'm like living like stuff I see on TV. Yeah. This is not my life. I don't call the police. Yeah. Like we're not this like white trash. Like I was yeah. just like, just right. so upset about it. And yet during this whole time, I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't, I didn't talk to his parents about it, obviously. I didn't talk to my parents. 
Um, even though they've kind of been through, you know, the addict story, mm-hmm. um, I didn't want them to think any less of Michael, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that was the biggest part. So, um, yeah, that happened. So and then that night, what was, what was going through your head? I mean, other than I'm sure fear, I'm sure there was a lot of fear cause He's a big guy. Like, yeah. I'm sure a raging Mike would be a yeah. little startling. Did he's that, kind of an athlete, strong. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah, very strong. Um, yeah. Did you, because you were saying that you had these moments of maybe our relationship, maybe we're not meant to be. Yeah. Did that kind of help, I mean, push, almost solidify, like, this is some, I mean, what if we're just not? Oh, for sure. Like, maybe yeah. this is it, right? Yeah. Definitely that, but also, you know, he definitely has a problem here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, um, so yeah, that whole thing was, I mean, very embarrassing for him, very embarrassing for me that we even had to do that. And, um, so I don't know, it was just kind of, but then nothing changed, you know, it was like, okay, we're going to change, but nothing changed. And oh, we had talks. We had so yeah. many talks along the way. Did sometimes, know? I'm sure there was sometimes where he was able to cut back a bit and maybe straighten out a little bit for a couple for a of minute. days. Yeah, maybe. for yeah. a minute. I used to be able to straighten out for like two days. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, I haven't drank in two days. Like, I'm going to reward this. myself with a blackout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I did so good. Yeah. You know? I went all day without drinking. Oh, I'm going to really tie it on tonight. Yeah. Adding on to that, I bet it got hard to sit and watch. I mean, almost it was a, probably like a roller coaster, right? Where there it would was, be days yeah. that he'd do really well, and then it'd be back in the gutter again. And you're like, yeah. here we are again. Well, he what would like promise me that he wasn't going to drink again, and I was like, oh, we're good, you know. Yeah. And then oh, yeah. I'd find it. I'd yeah. find like several twelve packs in <laughs> yeah. the garage, and I'm just like, what? So okay, Man, so always got a problem. So it was one of those times I believed him that he wasn't going to drink again, and I. Um, found it in like our kid's little rickshaw in the back. And I, it was just one of those days where I was just like, I am, I'm done. Like I had, I didn't, I had an appointment to get to right then. And he was going to be with the kids. And I, I looked at him and I was like, I'm done with you and this and all of it. And I can't talk to you about this because he lied, you know, right Uh, to my face about it again. So I left, he sends me this text 10 minutes later and um, just this very long text, very heartfelt, very, you know, thought out. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's ready to change. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I love you. I love the kids. I don't want to put our family through this anymore. Yada, yada. And so um, he says he wants to go to the doctor, figure this out. And I was like, okay, like, I didn't really know the way to like go about it, but I was like, I'm coming with you to the doctor. Like, I want to be a part of this. I'm supporting the fact that you want to change. Right. (laughs) So we go to the doctor and the doctor prescribes him, um, uh, anti anxiety and he prescribes him a, gosh, I don't even know. An antidepressant maybe? It's something to do with like weaning yourself off of oh like librium yes librium Mm -hmm. librium and something else so you can uh make it through like the withdrawals or whatever you don't go into seizures that's it so he gave him both of those and 
Um, and so I knew he was taking the Librium, but I didn't know he was taking the anti-anxiety. And um, I didn't know he was still drinking because he told the doctor, he's like, I'm done drinking. And, and, you know, we went through this weak process of, you know, Michael was like, I, he, the doctor even suggested that he wean himself off of beer. Like maybe you need to have like two today and then one tomorrow and one the next day and, Mm -hmm. you know, wean yourself off of it. And so I was right with him. He would, you know, take the beer out, drink it right in front of me. Okay. This is all I've had today. Mm -hmm. You know, like he was so just going through the motions with me and, um, and then he um, he shared his story about getting fireworks, driving home really fast with his friends, and I think he shared it in the first podcast about his story. And um, he got pulled over, had alcohol in his car, had empty containers, had been you know fully drunk, and um, got a ticket, came home. And woke me out of a dead sleep at like 11 at night. And I thought that was weird. He woke me up and he's like, these cops don't know what they're doing. Like he was just like pissed. Mm Because it was the cops fault. Yeah, it was totally the cops fault. It wasn't you driving drunk. The fact that you even made it home (laughs) in your own car is just a miracle in and of itself. Yeah. (laughs) I, I remember being pulled over by the cops and I just was like, how rude. Yeah, assholes. I was doing nothing wrong. Exactly. They just ruined my drunk. I was in a great. I was in a great mood before I got pulled over. So yeah, he he. I don't know how he got out of it. Honestly, Uh, professional drunk, you could call him. Yeah. But he uh, was just livid. And then I was like, whatever. Like, why did you wake me up? This is so stupid. Like, you got a ticket. Whatever. Like, we'll pay it, and it's fine. Right. So then I went back to bed. He came in bed like maybe a half hour to an hour later. And I, I couldn't go back to sleep after that. I was kind of like shaking, you know, I'm like, ugh. And so <laughs> he comes in bed and he's just like, I'm not okay. And I'm like, what's going on? And he, I turned on the light and he like wasn't making any sense. Everything that was coming out of his mouth was like all, all just like jumbled. Mm-hmm. I was like, Michael, like you don't make any sense. Like tell me what happened tonight. Like tell me in a sequence what happened. He couldn't even put it together. It was so like weird. I, it was like a different language. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is going on? And I like ran out to the kitchen and I didn't even count. I should have counted the anti-anxiety medication, but I dumped it out. Hindsight. Um, I should have told you that the doctor said when we were getting, uh, when he quickly prescribed the medication, he said, don't drink with this anti-anxiety medication. You got to wash it down with something. And so, Always what did he for do? Always more pleasant drunk for me. Yeah. <laughs> I had no anxiety while I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> or I, after. Right. Yeah. So he, uh, so I'm like dumping out this medication and I come in to talk to him and I round the corner to our closet and he's sitting in our closet with a gun to his head. And I obviously just scream and... What went through your head at that point in time? Like when you walked in there and you saw him with a gun to his head. I mean, that that went from zero to a thousand. It was shocking. It was the most shocking thing I've ever experienced. Um, I just thought, 
I just thought, like, what has this come to? You know, like, we were just a few days ago trying to mitigate this problem, and now it's gone from, like, you wanting to change to, like, you know, like possibly killing yourself over this. Horrific. And I just, you know, I just thought it's over. Like, but I also you know, was fearing for my life and the kid's life because yeah. clearly he was not, I knew what he was, you know. Well, you're, you're suddenly in the presence of an, of an insane human being. Yeah. Literally. So he tells me to come in the closet and I said, absolutely not. I said, put the gun down. And he goes, no, just come in and we'll talk. And I said, you put that gun in the safe and then we'll talk. Oh, Jesus. No, I'm not putting the gun in the safe. And so I, you know, as I'm talking to him, I'm like, you know, covering myself with the door. I'm like so freaked out in that moment. And, um, I have my phone in my hand and I immediately call his dad. No, no, no. I don't call his dad. I call the, I tell him I'm going to call his dad. I'm like, well, just call your dad and everything will be fine. And he's like, no, I'm not calling my dad. And just got really angry with me. And I ran out here and called the police as fast as I could. And then I ran and then they told me, they're like, go get your kids and go out the back door. And, you know, so we did this whole thing where I sat in a police car while the police officer talked to him and um, did he walked put, him did through he put it the gun away very at softly. Some point? I mean, like while you were there or were you, Not while I were was, you out in the police car? No, when they, I was. They, so they talked the gun out of his. I mean, I was just, I was just hoping and praying that he wasn't going to come out of the room with the gun, you know? Or something because he was in, even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Holy or something shit. even worse. Right. Yeah. Were you just sitting? I, I mean, after you, after they told you to leave the house, I'm sure you were just sitting there like praying that he didn't pull the trigger. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Just, this I is, just didn't even I bet, know. I bet it almost felt like forever to get the police there and to get everything. I mean. Yeah. Oh, it did. De-escalated. It felt like forever. Yeah. I bet. I took the kids out of their beds and, you know, of course they're like, what's going on? And I was just in this like. You know, we just got a, just this adrenaline rush, you know, of course. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it felt like forever. And then the police finally showed up. And I just remember sitting in the police car with my kids and they're like, what's going on? And I'm just trying to like deal with everything and then deal with them. And I get my phone out and turn on Daniel Tiger for them. And they're sitting there watching that. And I remember getting out of the car, the police car and the officer's on the phone with Michael and I said, please keep me updated. Like, tell me what's going on. And then I remember just like throwing myself down on the grass. And I just, I just thought it was the end. I thought, how did we get to this? You know, I just remember wailing. That's all I can describe it as. And, um, Finally, the cop comes over. It felt like a lifetime. And he said, your husband's in handcuffs. He's in the ambulance. We're taking him to the hospital. And um, that was such a relief. Oh, my gosh. Such a relief. Mm -hmm. Just to know he was safe in the ambulance. And they were going to, you know, have him in. So they took him to a psych ward. and, And to have him just contained and... And that you know? somebody else was in control. So somebody yeah. else is making the decisions yeah. that knows better. Yeah. Ho- hopefully. Yeah. Sure. Just alive. 
just alive. The fact that he was alive was like amazing, mm-hmm. you know? I um, bet. So yeah, I didn't sleep that night and really shocking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, a couple days, a couple days later, uh, they tell me to come up and they're going to talk to me and then he's going to get released. Well, here's the addict behavior again. He kept telling me on the phone, I want to get out of this place. I'm doing whatever it takes to get out. So when you come up, don't say anything like this or like that. <laughs> like he's prepping me. Sure. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I, yeah. So I go up there and the, I think it's called a therapist or something. She's the one that like interviews him, talks to me before he's discharged. So the first thing she says to me is, you know, we don't have much time to do this in this room. They've, they need this room in about five minutes. So we're going to do this real quick. And I was like, (laughs) are you kidding me? Like that's what went through my mind. So we went in there and she's like talking about all this stuff. And, you know, Michael wrote down things that can help him you know, cope and things that can help him with, you know, and one thing is meditation. (laughs) And the other thing is reading, reading books that are uplifting. And she goes through this list of things and I'm just going, this is not going to do anything. I knew in that moment, I knew he needed rehab. I knew after that whole incident, I'm like, if he, if a doctor's telling him what to do and he can't even follow doctor's orders, he needs rehab right and i knew he doesn't need a band-aid on a hemorrhage mm-hmm. yeah right. right so i so she got done with her whole little spiel and she's like okay he's discharged and i lost it i just started bawling and she's like well what's wrong i said i need to talk to you in the other room and so i talked to her and i said he needs um a counselor when we get out of here, like we need to set this up before we even get out. I feel like he needs like a, someone to talk to. I feel like he need like a drug counselor, an alcohol counselor. Mm-hmm. I feel like he needs um, to possibly go to rehab. Like I just like I feel like we need something set up here other than like he needs to meditate and he needs to read books and yeah. And so she didn't she didn't help me much even with talking to her she's like i can't really do anything and i was like well like whatever so few days ago <laughs> this man had a gun to his head in a closet and now yeah. you're telling me you can't do anything yeah yeah i thought that was frustrating well it's just like it's just sickening cuz you just think that you know there's some way that you can I guess force them to do something. I don't know. Right, right. In that moment, I yeah. thought, you know, I can control the situation. Where's and the alcoholism police? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, looking back, it was this codependent behavior of mine too. You know, I was trying to control every situation. I was like, okay, he wants to get clean. Like he's shown like that he wants to change. Now, you know, I'm going to try to do everything in my power to control this and like, see it through right Mm. so he gets out and you know it's summer we've got fourth of july and then the 24th so like i said a year ago from about this time and uh my friend tells me that she smelled alcohol on him on the fourth 
And he's told me that since, you know, the psych ward, I thought that was rock bottom, right? Mm -hmm. I thought being in a psych ward for three days locked up would have been his rock bottom. You know, not being able to be with his family, not being able to be with his wife and kids and, and do whatever he wants. I thought that was rock bottom, but, you know, clearly Mm -hmm. it wasn't. And so my friend said she smelled it on him on the 4th, smelled it on him on the 24th. And, um, yeah, so it just, it just continued. Did he, did he seem to improve at all or make an honest effort or? Yeah, definitely. He seemed to definitely improve. Yeah. More clarity of mind, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm sure three days in a psych ward will really help clear some of the fog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what was the end all? What landed him in, in treatment? So he, he and I and the kids went up to Park City for the weekend. And um, were, were you hoping, if I might ask, would, yeah. were you hoping that he, that he, that he had it under control? Okay. Like you, like, okay, well he's only drinking a little bit. If he, if he only had it on the fourth and the 24th, maybe he's got it under control. No. Was that no, ever? No, absolutely not. Okay, so at this point, you've oh, had this point the mold completely pulled off of your eyes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. At this point, Good. I knew. Good. And yeah. I had, and I had said something to his mom and his dad, and not to like throw them under the bus or anything, but I did say something to them. I said, I think he needs rehab. Like, I don't think anything else is going to cut it. And they were just like, mm, I don't, I don't know, you know. Yeah. And I was like, No, I think like we need to do something you know, yeah. significant. Like here, most parents or would. Or it's not yeah, change. Most not parents head. would. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, and especially from sure. like a fairly affluent family. I mean, that, that doesn't, you know, they didn't know what a raging alcoholic looks like. So yeah. of course they would be skeptic on it. Yeah. I guess I should say that my friend that said she smelled it on him, uh, on those holidays, she went to rehab, the same rehab that Michael went to. A year before that so about two years ago from now uh-huh mm. and so she you know if she's telling me this and she's an addict and right. she knows addict behavior yeah. she knows you know she knows what to look for well oh, yeah. you can't I bullshit like, a bullshitter yeah i'm like my gut was just like no like i think she's right mm-hmm. and then michael's you know i approached michael about it i'm like she told me that she smelled it on you because i was just like i don't even care anymore mm-hmm. i'm just gonna just lay it all out there and uh she he just he just got pissed he's like who is she to like, you know, mm-hmm. tell oh, you? Oh, yeah. But did he so, admit it? Just curious. No. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Didn't admit it. So, okay. So here's where uh, it all kind of ends. So he uh, and I and the kids go up to Park City for the weekend. And I have to tell you that, you know, intermittently he just kept getting sick. Like he would be in the other room throwing up or whatever. And I just thought, gosh, he's got like a weak stomach or like a bad <laughs> immune system or like, why is he always getting sick? I'm mine, so mine was always naive. allergies. Oh, I have allergies really bad. <laughs> so we go up that weekend and he's sick again mm-hmm. and he's in bed all weekend. And I, it's like a vacation for us up there and it's not a vacation, right? Uh-huh. I'm taking care of the kids and by myself and he's in bed all weekend long. And so he, uh, I had, we were there for the weekend and then Sunday morning I had to leave to come to a, 
come down to a baby shower of my friends and he's like I'll just keep the kids and I'm like are you feeling like good enough yeah I'll just keep the kids here give them get them naps and then we'll come down so I um kind of hung out for the day they weren't I thought they were gonna come but they just weren't coming home (laughs) and it was like now five o'clock at night and I call him and doesn't answer. I call him again. He answers and he's like, yeah, I just, I just got him naps and now we're just going to head out. So this was about five and then, you know, six rolls around and I'm like, they should be home by now. It only takes 45 minutes to get home from Park City. And, um, so I call him and I'm, I'm just, at this point, I'm kind of getting sick to my stomach because I'm like, this is not right. Like something's going on here because it doesn't take that long to get home. So I call him and doesn't answer, call him again. And he's in the car and he's stuttering. He's not responding to my questions. And I he's driving. To, I have to, he's like, what? And I have to say it again. He's driving with the kids in the car. And so then I like back and forth, I was calling him and, um, so I told him, I'm like, I have dinner ready. Like what's going on? Like I've got it all ready for you guys. Yeah, we'll be home soon. And the kids are crying in the back and you know, it's kind of sounds like chaos in there. And so finally he makes it home. I don't even know. I don't even know if my timeline's right, but it's probably about two hours from when he told me he was leaving to when he got actually got home and it Mm -hmm. should have been a 45 minute drive. So I like, I hear his car roll in and I open up that garage door and I go right out. He stumbles out of the car. He reeks of alcohol. I open his car door. It's there's alcohol sprayed all over. I don't even know what beer, what? Um, and, I'm just sick. I'm just absolutely sick. The kids have like two things of chips in the back seat, and their chips are just everywhere. And I'm just like, this is not like you. Like, Mm -hmm. your car is spotless all the time. So uh, I, you know, when he's when he was drunk, he'd kind of like, you know, obviously make everything my problem, but he would just be at me. And I said, you're drunk. Go get in bed and sober up. And he just wouldn't. He just kept at me. He just wanted to, like, you know, just keep talking to me. And and so he finally went to um, his bed, and I was just praying that he would give me the keys to his car because normally he wouldn't. He would be like, no, just stay here. Like, everything's fine. We don't need to go anywhere. He gave me the keys to his car. I got in his car, and I went to my parents. With the kids. With the kids, and that is not like me because I was not going to tell my parents one ounce about any of this. Mm-hmm. And I, in my mind, I said, that's it. When you cross me with the kids, when you put our kids' life in danger, that is where I draw the line. And so I went and told my parents the whole story. They were very receptive to everything and um, were there to support me however I needed Uh, I obviously told his parents they came to our house that night, talked to him and his dad called me that night and said, he is, he's decided to go to rehab on his own and he, he knows he needs it. And I'm just like, yeah, how did that feel? It was just, 
like it was the most relief I've felt in my entire life. Like I, I had told his dad previous, like weeks previous, I said to him, if I need to hold down the fort for 30 days, I'm good with that. I just feel like he needs to go. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like this is something that needs to happen. And, um, so much relief, so much anger, obviously from what happened with the kids. Like I just, that's one thing I couldn't get over for a while is the fact that, you know, how could you? Yeah. And, um, yeah, a lot of resentment towards all of it. But in that moment, it was relief. It was like, and part of it was like, this is terrible, but part of it's like, he'll be out of here. I don't have to deal with him for 30 days. I don't think that's terrible at all. I don't think it's terrible either. <laughs> it was like, so what happens oh when my you gosh, run like dry I don't have to deal with someone, the yeah. for 30, yeah, I don't have to deal with the shit for 30 days. Just, just out of curiosity, when you were saying that, um, that you finally opened up with your parents. Yeah. The reason why, and it, it makes a difference in the story and probably to some people that are listening, your reasons why you never said anything before, were they out of shame? You didn't want the judgment? Or did you feel like you were protecting Mike like by not they, saying anything? They Okay, so we both grew up in very LDS families. Okay. They knew he drank. Okay. Um... And so that wasn't the issue. It's, it was just more, I think a, a huge part of it was I didn't want them to think less of him. So, so it was protecting. I thought it was protecting. I thought it was maybe more of a judgment thing. Sure. Uh, I didn't want the, I told you so, mm-hmm. or, you know, because you've not followed a commandment <laughs> right? Mm. that, you know, you're being punished for it or, you know, like yeah. the religion aspect to come into yeah. it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And there's I also guess. a stigma too, yeah. right? Like, and the shame. Yeah, and the... absolutely. So yeah, I just, I guess I just wanted to keep it private until I really had to tell them. Mm-hmm. And I felt in that moment I had no choice, but yeah. to, you know, run my kids to safety really. Right. And, and basically, you know, that was, he took that as kind of an ultimatum. Like he was laying there in bed that night and, you know, his whole family had, up, you know, dinner was ready. We were ready to have a good time, you know, have them home with us or with me. And, and, you know, we just left, we up and left him and he was all alone. So I think that was huge for him. So when, when he decided to go into rehab, um, you had some contact with him or you didn't for a week or like, how, how did that work? How did that oh, work before out? he went in? No, like, well, you said that while you were, you were at your parents, you, you found out that he oh, had yes. decided that he wanted to go into rehab. Yes. So that was pretty quickly after you found that he wanted to go into rehab that mm-hmm. he actually admitted himself. Okay. So he, that night he stayed at his parents. Okay. And then I saw him the next afternoon. Okay. Uh, and it was it was really um, sobering to see him just he was just depressed, defeated. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was in such a depression. He didn't even want to talk. It was almost like he couldn't even look at me. Uh, it was really weird. It was different. He's never been like that before. Um, but I could tell I could tell that he was in a really low spot and that he was. He was going to do whatever it took to get out of it. Right. 
Sounds so, like he was humbled. So that was kind yes. of the the he's he's prepared to lift himself up off off the bottom. Yeah. And a lot of times, like because you said, you know, I thought that you 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 said a little bit ago that you thought that that he had hit his bottom. I like, thought. Right. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> but you'll hear a lot of alcoholics say, including myself, the only thing I hate more than hitting rock bottom is the dragging. Mm. I drag all the way across the bottom. Interesting. I don't just hit I've it. I've never heard it. I like that. that. I do I've like never that. heard that before either. <clears throat> oh, really? No. Because I always it's really good hitting the rock bottom. I just stay on the bottom. Yeah. You know, you'd think you would bounce off, but I, <laughs> I drag on the bottom and hit every bump and rock and collect <laughs> sand and dirt and, <laughs> you know, it, but it's not into, and you'd think that, you know, me or another alcoholic would, you know, push themselves off with their feet to get off the bottom, but we drag and drag and drag until we just can't drag anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a good friend of mine and um, Zach's used to say in meetings all the time, um, um, you know, you'll, if, if, if I can say it, you'll, you'll fuck that skunk until you can't stand the smell anymore. And it's not until you'd say, I can't stand it anymore. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's get better or death. Yeah. But nobody can tell an addict that. I exactly. mean, they ha- it has to come from within. And it I does. realized that. Yeah, you experienced that firsthand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he gets into treatment and you're just relieved. Um, I remember one of the most profound things my mom said to me when I was in treatment was, it, it really wasn't even that profound, just to me it was. She, I said, I'm, I'm sick of being here. I, I want to get out, la da da. And she said, the only thing I care about is that I know you're safe. And I was like, oh my God, I really fucked my family up if that's the only thing that my mom cares about. And so I'm assuming you were very comforted with the fact that he was in a oh safe place. Yes. Yeah. Um, and even though you had two kids to handle, um, what was it what was it like having him out of the house while well, you still had kids to handle, but you still had to show up to for like family therapy and things like that. Um, what was that? What was that like? Was it hard? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was so hard. I was also pregnant at the time. Mm-hmm. I was oh, yeah, in the were. first That's trimester. Right. Yeah. So I was sick. Mm-hmm. Um, just not feeling well, trying to mow the lawn. <laughs> I, rem- <laughs> I remember that out in the heat, trying to mow the lawn. And I just like felt like I wanted to throw up. And I'm just like, damn it, Michael. Like, why did you do this to us? Well, and you've got to be, you know, maybe filled with some doubt. Is this going to work? Is I he was really going to try? It went from relief to like, he's going to be in a safe spot. I don't have to deal with him for 30 days. And then it went to like this like sick pit in my stomach. Like I was scared out of my mind. Like, what if it doesn't work? Um, is he going to try to fool these people? Yeah. Is he going to try to like just going through the motions, coach them like he was trying to coach you, like, don't say this, don't say that. And then I knew from my brother, you know, he went through several rehabs. I knew the statistics. They're not good. And I just thought, what's he going to be? 
which statistic is he going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just kind of like a, yeah, it's just a, I don't know. You're just in a mm-hmm. place of, I don't know what's going to happen. How could you? I mean, you're yeah. literally dealing with Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was really hard. Um, I remember specifically sitting. So my friend that I talked to you about, uh, earlier that went to the same rehab. Yeah. She's a phenomenal person. She is. She stuck by me the entire, I mean, she was with me either with me or calling me or texting me every single day that he was in. So you checking up on, so you had really good support to get, I did. Okay. Yeah. She was, if, if I didn't have her, I don't know what I would have done. Uh, I remember, I remember sitting with her in my kitchen and just looking around and going, I just, I remember telling her, gosh, we moved in less than a year ago and I'm looking at, you know, the appliances that I had to have and the, the wood floor that I had to have and just going, and I just, I was like, I don't care about any of this. I don't care about any of it. None of it matters. None of this worldly stuff matters. I just want my family back. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's when it hit me where it was just like, this is this is so real. You know, like nothing matters but but people and relationships and family. And, and I have never felt as close to God in my entire life than I did in, in that time frame. So you're going through your own recovery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Mm-hmm. You really could say that. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, it becomes, it's, it's like we were talking about earlier where the, the alcoholic, you know, is bringing in the sickness and then the whole, the whole family gets sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you needed to go through your own recovery. Yeah. Just as importantly as he did. Mm-hmm. And my friend, her husband went to a therapist while she was in rehab and she's like, I would really strongly see, su- they both said, I would really strongly suggest you get a therapist. And I was like, that's a great idea. Like I wouldn't have even thought to do that. Mm-hmm. So he had the problem, not me. So yeah. like, why would mm-hmm. I? Yeah. Right. But in reality, so, you have to heal too. Exactly. Yeah. And I just thought I need to talk to somebody. I had her, you know, I had my parents, I had his parents, but like, I just wanted to talk to somebody that had no, connection to it all sure they could just listen to me I could just let it all out and they weren't going to judge me for it and so uh I specifically remember going to one session I think I went once a week um while he was in but I remember one session where she looked at me and she says you know I said something about codependence like I'm not that (laughs) and she looked at me and she's like no you're exhibiting a lot of codependent behavior and I looked at her and mm-hmm. I just wanted to be like, who are you to tell me? Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I have some pride. A licensed clinician. That's who I am. <laughs> I'm paying yeah. you to tell me something different. Yeah. And then I, and then I sat back instead of saying anything. And I like thought about it for a minute and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so codependent. And I thought back to, I'm sorry, I'm getting so emotional. It's okay. This is emotional stuff. I thought back to the years prior to this and in dealing with, you know, this, this addict behavior where I was looking for it constantly and thinking about it constantly and and catching him and, you know, thinking about catching him. I was not present with my children when I was doing that. They were not on my mind. 
I sometimes would be, I would catch myself, you know, in the, in the years closer to him going to rehab, I would say, I would catch myself sitting there just like off in the distance in my mind. And my kids say, mom, 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 mom. And maybe like 10 to 15 times. And finally I'd be like, oh my gosh, I need Mm -hmm. to be here with my kids. But it was so hard for me to like, to be with that, to fully be with them. And then, and then like function. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Of course. Absolutely. To like function with like that part of my marriage and that part of like taking care of him and making sure he's okay. And Gosh, it was just, yeah, it was like really trippy to like think about that. And I was just like, whoa, I'm, yeah, I was codependent. I was completely engaged in, you know, trying to control the situation and making sure everything was okay instead of just going, you know what? I can't control him. I can't do it. And after he got out of rehab, I went, I kept going to her and Um, I remember asking her, what if, what if he relapses? And she looked at me and she says, future tripping. What? It's called future tripping. Future tripping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thinking into the future. What if he relapses? And she, she says, well, Abby, you'll know. Yeah, you will. You'll know Mm -hmm. because he'll go right back to the same amount he was doing before. And obviously his body won't be, you know accustomed to that and you'll know you don't need to worry about that and it was like it was almost like this like aha moment for me and I thought oh my gosh you're right I don't need to worry about it and even if he does you relapse, have been educated I have now been educated so mm-hmm. yeah I have kind of a one-up in, in <laughs> yeah. a sense but also who's my focus like I need to focus on my kids yeah like, they're my priority. And yes, I married this man, and he's a wonderful man. But if he's not willing to change and be with us as a family, then I can't do anything about that. You got to bag it. Yeah. And I have to just kind of let that part of me go. Because I'm like, if anybody knows me, I'm like super like control freak, OCD. I plan everything. I write everything on a calendar. I color code. Like I'm really yeah, weird. Yeah, I really like that, that I can, calendar. I can testify to that because yeah. I've seen it everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that was really hard for me because I'm not like that. But I just, you know, and Michael, we just had a conversation the other day and and he's like, how do you feel about this? And I looked at him and I said, I you know, you're doing you and I can't, I can't worry about you in that sense. I can't, I can't spend my time worrying about it. I have let that go. I have to focus on the kids and, you know, Mm. and like, I love you. (laughs) Of course I love you, but I can't think about, you know, that maybe one day you'll relapse or I can't think about the future in that way because I can't control it. So, so going, I might as well not, you know, go there. So going to a, uh, going to a therapist was really beneficial for you to, yeah. to really open you to see, because there's, there are a lot of, of spouses and family members that think, oh, this person is, you know, the, they're drinking, they have the problem. There's nothing yeah. wrong with me. Yeah. And at, at the beginning of, of that, there probably wasn't, there was probably not very many codependent behaviors, but when you're in the throes of it, everyone gets caught into it. 
everyone who is close by gets got into it. And so by going to that clinician and seeing, like, I have, you know, my part in this and my part is I can't control him. I have to focus on these kids. I, I mean, it just sounds like it really changed, changed your whole ball game. It did. And it changed the dynamic between Michael and I. Um, because there's times that I, or there's things I would say that I probably shouldn't say, you know, she would tell me to like, think about something and then, Mm -hmm. you know, think about it for a while and then approach him about it. Whereas I'm more of like a, like I fire away, right? right? If I'm angry, I'm going to like tell you now. Mm. So so we call that taking a pause. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She told me to take a pause. Mm -hmm. So I learned a few tactics, but I also learned a lot about, she taught me a lot about addiction and a lot about um, just this whole process of recovery. And, you know, she's telling me, don't worry if he's, you know, not asking you about you. He is focused on his recovery and that's what he needs to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. And so I would go, oh, okay. Like, I won't yeah. worry about that part then. Because I was just like, he's not asking about the kids and he's not this. and mm-hmm. But that's not what it's about. And I it it was like you know, taking a step back and going, okay, I need to be self less right now. Mm-hmm. Mm. I need to be completely selfless and he needs to be completely selfish, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, I was selfish to an extent. Like I needed a therapist and I needed, you know, self care while he was gone taking care of the kids and things. But as far as like, you know, him, he needed to work on rebuilding really rebuilding his life and mm-hmm. you know the life he wants now i guess so That's he true. got he got out of treatment we're we're kind of i mean we've gone a little over but i this is so good uh mm-hmm. we he got out of treatment and what was it like those first couple of weeks of him out of treatment? Was it kind of like walking on eggshells? Was it kind of like, who I don't know what's about to happen? Like, is there kind of a yeah, boogeyman was, in the closet, like hoping, it, you know, it doesn't pop out? Gosh, it was weird. Yeah. I didn't even know what to expect. I mean, I talked to my friend about it a little bit, but everybody's story's different. I, uh, my therapist even told me, don't do say this to him and don't say these words to him. And I thought, Oh my gosh, like I have to just be like so perfect here. (laughs) So I really tried to just let him do the talking. I tried to not, you know, put anything on him. I just tried to be super mellow, right? Just super mellow and like very inviting, very like, welcome home. We're excited Mm. to have you back. Um, one story I'll share really quick. Uh, my favorite thing to do on the weekends is go to breakfast have a nice breakfast with the fam and we went to our favorite spot in salt lake and we sat down and the kids were just like they are right they're just two boys and they're crazy and they don't sit still Mm -hmm. and they're into everything they're banging the forks on the table you know spilling cups of water so it was more chaos to him than he'd had in a long time, right? Yeah, probably the gone. most chaos that he's had in recovery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he's kind of been like... <laughs> yeah, sheltered a bit. Yeah. yeah. Had a barrier from it. So uh, it was it was hard for him. And he, I could just tell he was about ready to explode. And that was hard for me to watch because I thought you're always so just like calm and collected with the kids. And I, 
you know, I wanted to just be like, it's not a big deal. Like, yeah. they're just kids. Like, let them be. And, he, you know, there were a few times where he was, like, super stern with them. And, like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. I want to leave. And I just had to, you know, take a pause and just let him do his thing. And sure. I just really had to not not chime in. Not try and control it. And yeah. not try to control the situation. But, like, I'm so used to just, like, you know, saying how I feel. And I really had to, to rein that in and just mm. go, you know, he needs his time. And then we, I remember that exact same day we came home and he, I could just tell he was just building. The kids were not getting any better <laughs> and just creating more chaos. And I could tell he was building. And I just looked at him and I said, do you need a minute? I said, go outside. We've, I've got it, you know. Mm-hmm. And... I think that was really helpful for him to know that like I could see his frustration and that I was like validating that, I guess. Yeah. And, um, not to say like, I've been great with that all the time, but I really tried in the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that helped a ton and also his self care, you know, came first and that was really important. Um, he wanted to go rock climbing. I was like, go. He wanted to go mountain biking. Go. Like, you need to do whatever you need to do to keep yourself in a good spot. Right. Physically, mentally, you know, everything. Um, because you've worked so hard to get here, you know? Right. And let's let's reiterate that just like really quickly where you said, you know, his, his self-care came first. That's... You mean, so for you, because what it sounds like is, is, is you're doing really great because for you, your self care is coming first so that you can allow him his self care. Yes. And that is one thing. That is one thing I learned. One of the biggest things I learned with him going through, I learned a ton from him. Yeah. Um, telling me about rehab. I'm like, I want to go to a 30 day treatment. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> That sounds great. But he, one thing I learned from him is he says in the morning, they would wake up every morning and they would say how they felt for the day. Whether that's angry, happy, frustrated, depressed, tired, whatever it may be. And they would sit in it for a minute. And then they would say, okay, how am I going to use this to make my day, you know, a good day or whatever. And, uh, I, he taught me that and I thought, oh my gosh, like it's, it's okay to wake up and be depressed. Mm -hmm. It's okay to wake up and feel really tired. That's okay. Mm -hmm. We live Mm -hmm. in a society where it's just go, go, go. Everybody needs to be doing everything like a hundred percent and you need to be this and you need to be that. And, um, I just, I guess I never stopped to realize that it's okay to feel those feelings and sit in them and then realize how you're going to, you know, if it is angry, how are you going to change that around? It's what we do with that feeling Mm -hmm. that makes the difference. Identifying where you're starting from. Yeah. Recognizing, recognizing your feelings and going from there and not Mm -hmm. letting it affect like your whole day or, you know. So I loved that. And then the other thing I really learned, the two things, that and self-care. I didn't realize that that was a thing. Right. 
yeah. that you can take time for yourself and you sh- shouldn't feel guilty about it. You it's, know, every time I went to go do something, whether it was, uh, I don't even know, um, getting a pedicure or going with my friends, I felt guilty about it. It was almost like I was looking at the watch, like my watch, like, okay, I got to get home. Like Michael has the kids and you know, I need to, I'm the mom, I need to get home. Mm-hmm. But it, but I realized that no, like I need, I need time away. I need to get out and, you know, clear my mind and then maybe I'll be a better wife. Maybe I'll be a better mom because of it. So. Sure. You have had, uh, I mean, you've given us this phenomenal story and as Anybody who's been listening knows uh, since that point in time, Mike has just been, he's been killing it, right? He's awesome. Yeah, he's doing great. Just to uh, sum it up real briefly, what is your relationship like now? It is night and day difference. It is seriously so crazy how the recovery can, how recovery can just like dive into so many aspects of anybody's life, not even an addict. And it can help. Um, just being open and honest, you know, Mm -hmm. is huge. Um, just telling how we feel to each other. You know, he comes home and he's not going to hide it anymore. I've had a shitty day and I'll say, okay, I would love to talk to you about that as soon as the kids go down. Yeah. And we sit down and we have like a three hour conversation and before we know it, it's midnight and it's like, but that was awesome because before mm-hmm. we'd just like either get in a fight or we would, you know, just watch a show and not even talk to each other or. Yeah. So it's just been, it's been really enlightening. And, um, can I say that, that I would have like wished this upon myself? No, but would I, do I regret it or do, would I change anything at this point? Absolutely not. I am so grateful for the experiences that that we've gone through, bad and good, to get us to the spot that we're at because I feel like we're in a really good um, spot with our relationship. That's incredible. So. All right. Well, we are definitely past our time. I <laughs> sure I want are. to. It was so worth it. It was so worth. It, it was worth it every oh, second. So nice. I bet Mike. I bet Mike <laughs> is in the back room asleep by now. Probably. Uh, <laughs> but I just want to. I, I want to thank you again um, for coming on. It takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to come on and and be that open about it. And you definitely were. So I just well, thank you. Thank thanks you. for having me. No, and, thank you. And thanks for sharing your story because, like, uh, when I hear these kind of stories, it helps me validate the path that I'm on. I've often said that, you know, p- people will say, you know, well, well so, so you're meeting your goals of, of, of a better relationship with your family, a better relationship, you know, a better job, a better. Mm-hmm. And I've realized now that. Those are not, I thought those were going to be my goals. They're no longer my goals. They're side effects. Yeah. The, the goal is self-care and taking care of myself. The side effect is I have a better relationship with my family. The side effect is that I have a better job and I'm making better money. The side effect is I feel better about, you know, my viewpoints on everything. Um, and it all comes from 
self-care, taking care of myself, mm. that being selfish. Yeah. Those are important. better side effects from any drug that I ever took. Mm. Yeah. So, all right. All thank, right. Well, thank we, yes. Thank you so much. We got to wrap this up, but, uh, well, definitely. I, I'm sure you'll probably come on again. So <laughs> you were, when Mike was talking about even starting to do this podcast, you were like a huge advocate of it. I mean, you were oh really gung ho so for it. Excited. And, uh, you, you've been like our number one. I mean, listening to like ever, I'm mean, every podcast I see you post on the Instagram. I mean, super supportive. And, and that's really what, um, a good, a good partner is, especially to, for someone to have success in recovery. And so, um, I don't, I, I hope that you give yourself the credit that you deserve because, cause he didn't just recover by himself. You, you are a huge part of it as well. well so thank you. It's an honor to be a part of this. You guys are doing a great thing. Hell yeah. Right on. Well, uh, thanks again. And we are out of here until next time.